Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pot of Gold Extra Point is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And brought to you by Tire Rack, the way tire buying should be. He is Carter Carls. I am Tom Noy, and this is the Pot of Gold Extra Point Notre Dame-Stanford edition. Last game of the season, Irish come in. They're nine and two. Stanford, eh, forgettable four and seven. So they're just playing out the string. It's Monday. You ready to talk some football? Who's the top receiver on Stanford, Carter Carls? I don't yeah. want to talk about it. See, look at that. That's because <laughs> we have no idea who this top receiver is. Who's going to play quarterback? We don't know that either. We don't know. Could be KJ Costello. Could be Davis Mills. Could be a combination of both. But what we do know is that this is the season finale for both teams. Notre Dame will have a game after this, most likely the Camping World Bowl, most likely December 28th in Orlando, Florida, most likely against a team from the Big 12. But this is it for Stanford. They've got four quarters of football. They've got 60 minutes left in a season that, fair to say, is a disappointment. Didn't really get off the ground the way Stanford usually does injuries it's been a rebuilt offensive line it's been a makeshift defense even Brian Kelly said today in his Monday press conference they've had so many injuries even their kicker has been hurt so <laughs> jet toner yeah. see you got the kicker's there name you guy was still working on a wide receiver kicker's kicker's been hurt KJ Costello went out the first game of the I think the first game of the year against Northwestern yeah. concussion hand injury it's been a whole whole thing for him yeah but the best news ever fell dropped about uh, about 24 hours ago, one o'clock on Sunday afternoon, when we found out that for the first time yes. this season, on the road, Notre Dame will not be playing a night game. Thank God, which means deadline, which means we actually will get it in Sunday's paper. <laughs> Notre Dame, Stanford from Stanford Stadium will kick off at one o'clock. Pacific time, which is what time on the East Coast? Four See, p.m. Like, still adjusting still, to that Eastern yeah, time. Yeah, still, he's still adjusting to what time yep. it is in Indiana. What is it? Central time? Is it Eastern time? It'll <laughs> but be. What's great as also for maybe the fans, I think this means they're going to get Gus Johnson on the call. Maybe that's good or bad. I don't know how you view that. Who has, and I'm not as tuned into it, but who has Michigan, Ohio State? Doesn't Fox have Michigan-Ohio State at noon? And if they do, would that well, not be a Gus Johnson game? Well, if they had him at noon, then wait, okay. Yeah, I guess so this See? game would come after that. Well, yeah. okay, you ah, might be right. There you go. So this might Usually be – Usually 4 o'clock comes after 12 o'clock. This might be Tim Brando. 
I don't know. I don't know who's the second who's the second crew on Fox. I think it's Brando. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter who the, <laughs> the announcers are because it's a new it's a one o'clock game in California. Fox has the broadcast. First time this year, Notre Dame will not play at night after night game against Louisville, night game against Michigan, night game against Duke, night game against I'm forgetting one. What was the other? Georgia, Georgia. of course, Georgia. How do you forget Georgia? <laughs> so no night game. Stanford playing out the string. This is this is this is a tough game for Stanford because let's say say Notre Dame has to start quickly on offense, unlike the way they did against Boston College, where mm-hmm. there's all that angst at Notre Dame Stadium. Oh, what's going on? Yeah. The offensive line. They're 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 they've got penalties. They've got this. They've got relax. Notre Dame wins forty to seven. Notre Dame starts quickly. This in this game, it could get ugly because. What does Stanford have to play for? I mean, Brian Kelly says yeah. Brian Kelly says at his press conference they're going to play hard. This is all they've got left. But Stanford gets down two touchdowns. Stanford gets down seventeen points. Gets down twenty points. You know, wind up packing it in there on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, and and Notre Dame hasn't won in Palo Alto, Alto since. 2007, I believe. Last five trips, they have not won at yeah. Stanford Stadium. And Stanford Stadium is not – don't confuse Stanford Stadium with Sanford, Sanford Stadium. Stadium. yeah. Like, there's the atmosphere there. I remember tuning in the, the, the season opener when Notre Dame was on its bye week to watch Stanford, and they played an afternoon game against Northwestern, and there might have been 15,000 people in the stands. And you could expect the same. Like, a lot of them will be uh, – this weekend will be Notre Dame fans that are going to make the trip out to San Francisco, but – Stanford Stadium is not what you'd call a house of horrors for visiting teams. So for whatever reason, like Brian Kelly has never won there in his tenure at Notre Dame, which is bizarre. Yeah, and I mean, if there's a a time to win, it it is now. Um, And what what Stanford, I was kind of interested or surprised, I guess, by all the preseason hype from KJ Costello. Um, I think he's a good quarterback, but I never saw him as as a NFL quarterback really. And and he lost two of his biggest weapons. He lost Bryce Love, the the stud running back, who and was then, always hurt though. He was always hurt, yeah. Um, and then JJ Arcega Whiteside went to the Eagles, uh, and he was the only receiver last year that scored a touchdown on Julian Love. So these were two monster guys that he lost. And then certainly he lost Walker Little to a, a knee injury. Uh, they've had to start a, a true freshman at times at, at left tackle in Walter Rouse. If you remember him, he, he was between Notre Dame and Stanford last year in, in their 2019 recruiting class. So, And then when you lose the quarterback, I mean, this might be a game with how Notre Dame's defense is playing where Stanford puts up three points or six points wow. i mean for real i mean who how are they going to move the ball right what weapons do they have their top receiver i got an answer for you it's a tight end colby parkinson so and uh, that's a guy that brian kelly mentioned in his press conference he said that might be one of the top tight ends in the country maybe yeah. the top tight end that Notre Dame sees in colby parkinson yeah. he likes the he likes the versatility of the wide receivers but he says watch out for their tight that tight end he may be the best pass catching tight end in the country so Throw a guy, throw a defender on, on on him, and say, "We'll let the other guys beat you. We're not going to let Kobe Parkinson run seam routes down the field all afternoon." Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that will be the big matchup for Notre Dame. But um, what I found interesting last week, talking to the safety Jalen Elliott, he said that how Clark Lee's defense works is 
they have a metaphorical box every week where they they take all the elements of the opponent they're going to play they 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 game plan around that they plan everything around those elements and then they put them back in the box and then they have you know a, new things for the next opponent so every week it's going to be a different look from this defense they're they're not going to use just their base personnel for every situation every opponent they're going to switch things around. Like we saw Paul Moala uh, at the goal line. Wearing number, number 70. Number 70. We, we've seen that dime package. We've seen a lot of different looks, some five-man defensive line fronts. So I think probably the big adjustment for them this week is, is covering that tight end because he's really the only threat on this offense. You're listening to the Pot of Gold Extra Point presented by Zaxby's. Let's take a short break. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Back on the Pot of Gold, Extra Point, talking Notre Dame, talking Stanford. Carter Carls and Tom Noy from the South Bend Tribune. ND Insiders getting ready for the Irish season finale out in Palo Alto, California, Saturday. Kickoff time just after 1 o'clock Pacific time. That's just after 4 back here in South Bend. That'll wrap the 2019 regular season for Notre Dame. And if the last three weeks are any indication, I think Tyler James, our colleague, had this note earlier. Notre Dame will win this game by 34 points. Did you see oh, the note? I did not see that. They've beaten Duke by 31. Okay. They beat Navy by 32. <laughs> they beat Boston College by 33. So the math just makes sense. There you go. So if if by your math, Stanford may score six points. Yeah. Six plus 34. I think that's 40. Is what? I think that's 40. Did you carry the one? Add that. Uh, there you go. 40 to six. So wow. that's your fin- final. That's your prediction? We're all done. It's not. We'll see you later. It's not. (laughs) That's not your prediction? I hate Tyler James and his Whoa, hey. (laughs) No, but. It's a holiday week. There's no way to, there's no reason to be hating. No. Don't don't be hating on people on a Thanksgiving week. (laughs) Come on. I mean, this should be a dominant win for Notre Dame. I mean, you look at really these last four matchups and this is the least frightening i would think against boston college you thought wow i mean they can run the ball watch out aj Dillon's going to run for three thousand yards yeah that didn't happen navy you thought the same thing hey they're a ranked team their defense is a lot better this year even against virginia tech and duke you saw okay the michigan game will carry over duke a road game but stanford i wasn't worried worried i wasn't worried about duke i wasn't worried about duke but I thought, hey, maybe with how they're playing, they've struggled against Virginia Tech. Maybe it carries over and they win by 13 points or something like that. But this is really a game where you think, okay, this should be a pretty commanding win, at least compared to Boston College and Navy. Because going into those games, you still had a couple worries. There's really Stanford really doesn't have the advantage over Notre Dame in any position group or really any area. I have a worry, though. I'm not going to hate on him, but I am concerned. What in the world is going on with Notre Dame's run game? Like, yeah. Like Ian Book, Ian Book has been the leading rusher. Ian Book plays quarterback. Last I checked, he's the quarterback. Ian Book has been the leading rusher of this football team the last four games. 
Virginia Tech, Duke, Navy, Boston College. Where, where's your where's your guy, Jafar Armstrong? Like what? He didn't ha- even have a touch last he week. He didn't even play. Didn't even play. DNP CD and Brian Kelly was trying to explain on a Sunday press conference his tel- his conference call with the media. Well, don't don't read into it. He's not in the doghouse. It's a rotation thing. This that he, he's trying to, to to paint this this picture about how Jafar Armstrong's still involved in the run game. But nah. Jafar Armstrong, who starts who starts fall camp as your number one guy. And he's a healthy DNP CD on the uh, on the sideline against Boston College. Like, what's going on in a like, game where you're going to run the football? Even putting him in in the third or fourth I quarter know. when you're up by thirty points, get, starting Sebo to get him Flemister going. Got more carries and more and, and earlier looks. Yeah, and Sebo Flemister at one point when they had Kyron Williams before they before they decided to to, to say to put Kyron Williams on a five year plan. Sebo Flemister was the fifth string running back. I know, <laughs> and now he's getting the most. He's getting as more carries than Jafar Armstrong against BC. So, yeah, I mean, you want to get rolling with this offense and, and do what you did against Navy, and then in the latter half of the first half against Boston College, and maybe get on these guys early. But let's try it. Like, where's Tony Jones been since USC? Where's Jafar yeah. Armstrong? Like, stop. Get something, get some semblance of a run game going, please. Can they? Well, I'm looking forward to see, and I, I just bashed him earlier, but I, I do love him, Tyler James. I'm looking forward to see his, you see, know, no more hate there analysis piece on the offense because it seemed like last week Ian Book was running for his life at times, mm-hmm. couldn't get any, you know, push up front on, on inside runs. They really haven't been able to have that since the USC game, and I think you know they're. It's been announced today, Tommy Kramer and Robert Hainsey for sure out for the year. And when you have a guy like Trevor Ruland in there who's got some health concerns and there's yeah, obviously a talent. How long can Trevor Ruland go before something on him snaps? Exactly. And, and, there, and there's just a, a talent discrepancy there between those two, Josh Lug and Trevor Ruland. So I think that's hurt them. But I think really it just starts with the Jafar Armstrong thing. At the beginning of the year – it wasn't just that Armstrong was the lead guy. It was the fact that he his skill set brought something entirely different to the Notre Dame's offense. It, him and Tony Jones in concert would be this versatile uh, two-man running Just game. a one-two punch that, that would yeah. keep defenses on its heels. Like, oh, Jafar Armstrong's going to break a big run, and then Tony Jones is going to grind out the tough yards, and then here comes Jafar Armstrong on a swing pass, and uh-huh. here comes more Tony Jones. It was just going to be left, right, left, right, left. We have, we, we've seen basically none of that yeah. since a little bit in the first drive of Louisville before Jafar Armstrong got hurt, and then that was it. One-two punch, it's been a zero-zero punch. So here's my question for you, Tom. What do you got for me? Probably the running game probably doesn't matter against Stanford. No. Probably will matter when the when it's there's a better opponent in the Camping World Bowl. But I mean, I mean, does it really matter these last couple games that if if Ian books their leading rusher, it does. How they're be, playing? Well, it does in the fact that you you're opening up Ian Book to more hits. Yeah, like eventually he's going to take a shot. He might not see a defender coming. He's going to try to slide, but slide too late. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes and slides, and, and somebody somebody gets gets a targeting call on him. You're opening up Ian Book for more hits than he has to take. Now he's been effective running, and, and like look what look what he he did in what the Duke game when he ran for over 100 yards. 
just don't you just don't want I don't I don't want to open my quarterback up to to shot to unnecessary shots, especially in November. Like it's been a long year. True. Everybody's banged up. Something on every player hurts, whether it's a knee or an ankle or a shoulder or their head or something. Don't put Ian Book in a position where he may get an injury. Right. And the the reason why it has not really affected them as far as moving the ball and scoring points is because it seems like every receiver is, is peaking and getting better as the season progresses. Look where Chris Fink has gone from game one to now. Chase Claypool, he's Mr. November, right? Cole Komet's Cole Komet. He's, he's been consistent and great all year. And then Braden Lindsey, he, he seems to, to have one big play every game now. And, and so now there's not this missing element to, to the passing game that, that wasn't there earlier in the season. Now they kind of have this balance where they're not just having to look to Claypool or just Komet at this point. Braden Lindsey scores a touchdown 61-yard run against Boston College. Met the media for the first time ever after the game. Your biggest takeaway from Braden Lindsey because you had the Braden Lindsey story, yeah. story surrounded on Saturday after Boston College. Yeah, I, I thought he did a great job talking with us. Um, really seemed pretty humble and, and pretty accepting of how his career has gone so far. He didn't play a single game as a freshman, and he came in as one of the fastest players on Notre Dame's team. He, he ran a four four forty in high school. Uh, his mindset was, hey, I wasn't ready. I was, he, he said he was a, uh, a mean 160-pound skinny guy, right? And that <laughs> A mean or a lean? A, a, I, a mean 160? No, I think he, I think he said mean. All right. I think he it was like maybe one sixty one, one sixty two, but he he basically said and was pretty accepting that hey, speed isn't the only thing that's gonna get you there. I remember a fall practice where he came off the line of scrimmage. Kyle Hamilton was there in coverage one on one, and he just shoved him to the ground. Kyle Hamilton shoved Braden to the ground, and it was like oh Take my that gosh, sophomore. But but that that's the thing with Braden Lindsay is you, you can't just rely on speed. You've got to be there from a physical standpoint. You've got to have the endurance. You've got to you know learn route running. You've got to learn all the the nuances of being a wide receiver at the collegiate level. And I think he's getting to that point. He's at one eighty three pounds now. He's gained a lot of muscle while still maintaining that speed. He's he's learning the nuances of the game. He's not there yet, but. With Chase Claypool and Chris Fink off this team next year, his opportunities are only going to keep increasing, and he could be the number one or number two guy next year, depending on what Kevin Austin does. Did anyone ask him about the fatigue situation? They did. He said that you know he he hadn't been sleeping much, he wasn't eating right. What college kid does though? That's true, right? But I, I think he just he he still wasn't there as far as like learning how to be an everyday college football player mm -hmm. eating the right way. I think he's focused on gaining so much weight that maybe he hasn't been putting on the right weight in a sense. Mm -hmm. I guess it's been hard for him adjusting to going from no playing time to a ton of playing time because he wasn't even a starter by game three. He wasn't at Georgia. And then with Michael Young transferring, that's kind of increased his role. So that everyday grind, I think, was an adjustment for him. You're listening to The Pot of Gold Extra Point, presented by Zaxby's. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan 
and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Brian Kelly talked today at his Monday presser about legacies and how Notre Dame wins on Saturday. This will be the, only the second time in school history that Notre Dame wins at least 10 games, three straight seasons. Talks about how they're hard to build at Notre Dame. Agree? Disagree? Because I, I, I kind of, when he said that, I, I, I kind of thought about it and said, you know what? He, he's kind of right. Like, get it, getting to 10 wins is hard, especially at Notre Dame. Like, that's something I understand. I understand Notre Dame fans are, are going to rant and rave and say it's been X amount of years since they've not since they've won a national championship, since they've won a big game or a bowl game or blah blah blah. And that's that's all. That, those are all valid points, and I get that and I understand that. But it's hard to win ten games in college football with college with kids, right? I would agree, but the only thing I'll say is. 10-win seasons are great as long as you're not stuck in purgatory. Look at Mark Rick. Eventually, Rick's. you have to do more. You do have to right. do more, and you need to show that you're you're improving. Like, look at Mark Rick at Georgia. Nine win, 10 wins every season. Kevin Sumlin at A&M, he eight wins, nine wins every season. But if, if you do that every season for five years and you're not going anywhere, mm-hmm. then eventually you're, 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 not, you're not going anywhere. And so... I think the good sign with Brian Kelly is like you see that 2016 season. He made so many changes with himself, within the program, and then you're starting to see the benefits on the recruiting trail too. They're the number one or number two recruiting class in 2021. They've got a ton of offensive talent coming in this upcoming 2020 recruiting class. You know, if they were ranked 25th and they're getting just a couple four stars and maybe there'd be room for concern but they've got 10 spots still to fill yeah yeah. there's but that's not the case right it's not it's not so i I think the program is trending in the right direction it's just a matter of can they finally break through Uh, on on our fellow pot of gold podcast eric hansen asks a question to his guests pretty often do you think brian kelly notre dame is capable of winning a national championship within the next five years and most of their guests say yes I think that it will take a lot, certainly. I mean, trying to bridge that gap between Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State is very hard, especially with the the recruiting differences and and how much harder it is to recruit at Notre Dame. But I think they're trending the right direction. But Notre Dame fans, if it's just 10-win season, six years straight, they're going to get sick of that pretty soon. Well, they're sick of it right now. Like, uh, capable of winning a national championship. Yes, they're capable. Will they win a national championship in the next five years? My personal view, it's going to be really hard. It's just it's the, the way yeah. the way their schedule is structured because they're not in a conference. And this isn't a drumbeat to say the only way they're ever going to win a national championship is to join a conference. No, we know why they're not in a conference, and they shouldn't be in a conference because <laughs> that's that's just the way this football program is. But everything has to fall into the yeah. into place like next year 
a lot of people point to 2020 and they look at it and they say, that's going to be the year they're going to get back to the playoff. That's going to be the year they're going to challenge for a national championship. They've got all these guys coming back. They've got these they, – everybody's going to be a – you've still got to beat Clemson. Like, is this team – is that team – capable of beating Clemson? Absolutely, because it's at home. It's in November. Who knows what the weather is going to be like? But uh, from uh, from a neutral standpoint, are they are, are they able are they are they are they Clemson status yet? I don't think so. No. No. I don't see, like I don't see like you're looking you're looking more at 10 win season, 11 win season, maybe a trip to the college football playoff, but they're still they they're still not at the Clemson Ohio State, LSU now. Like everybody says, well, they have to get to the Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State level. Well, maybe now that now it's Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, and Alabama's kind of dropped a little bit. So there's always going to be that rotation of three or four teams that are just going to be at a different level than what Notre Dame is at. And 10-win season, enjoy it. Don't embrace it. Don't be. Don't feel satisfied by it, but – Man, it's going to be really tough for this team to win a national championship in five years. I've always thought that the realistic, I guess, what you would strive to be if you're not an Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama, the the realistic goal would be to be a team like Auburn that you might not be in contention every year, but hey, every five years, if the stars align, you can play for a national championship. You think not here. Uh, not here but, but you not can't here. be Auburn here but wouldn't you rather be mm. a team that every five years you're in the national championship game contention than just 10 wins every single season what are you if you're not in those those years say you're Auburn They're just eight eight wins no, you know you can't not at Notre Dame you can't yeah. you can't do it like they're the standard is so high it's ridiculously high to where Right, you know, you walk in the door. Guys walk in the door the first day of the season, and their standard is, or their goal is, let's we our goal is win a national championship. It's a pretty lofty goal. Like I, 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 I that's great that they have that that standard though. But that's that's a hard goal to reach every year, and they haven't it reached is. it in what thirty one years. Right, I think it will take a game changing type player, probably a quarterback, and. Whether Ian Book can get there, we'll see. Um, but I think I think maybe that threshold for them could potentially be with Tyler Buckner, the 2021 commit. I know that's far away, <laughs> but this kid, I'm telling you, is a game-changing type player. And you, you look at the schedule in the next couple of years, you got Clemson, you've got Ohio State. Maybe that 2023 kind of range, I mean, we'll see how the schedule looks by then, but – I think seriously, with with the talent that is coming in that twenty twenty one class and this twenty twenty two class with Chris Tyree, Dion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles, Jordan Johnson, Michael Mayer, I think this that could be the threshold. I think it could happen in five years, but I think it might be that tail end, that fourth or five, fifth year. So we got, that sounds crazy. We've got four more, year, at least four more years to wait. I think next year there there's potential, but I really do think that the highest upside is is with Tyler Buckner and what he could possibly do. Who's He's, the Who's the coach at Notre Dame in 2023? No is idea. it Brian Kelly? I no idea. I remember he shared with uh, Yahoo Sports's Pete Thamel right in the spring that um, 
that the plan would be um, t- to hope to get a contract extension by the end of 2023 is what he said. So, I mean, I think he wants to be the coach by 2023, um, but whether he is, I guess, remains to be seen. Toughest question in today's and again, we're taping this on Monday because it's a holiday week. We'll we'll probably have it on air or we'll have it online by Wednesday. But the toughest question today during Brian Kelly's press conference may have come from Chuck Freebie, local sportscaster here, who asked, what is the best Thanksgiving side dish? Oh, boy. To Brian Kelly. And he was stumped. It was like somebody asked him, uh, what's the, asked him on the first day of uh, spring practice, what's your two deep depth chart at every position? Huh. Like he's, I don't know, like long pause, then another long pause, then more long pause. You know what he, his answer to that was? Favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Oh, wasn't it squash? Squash. Boy. That's not even on our table. Gosh. So I'll ask you, Carter Carls, since it's Thanksgiving week, people might be listening to this after they have their Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. Or eating Thanksgiving leftovers. What's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Well, as I'm watching the Cowboys win, <laughs> I'll be devouring probably ah, – this one's very hard. I'll probably go with mashed potatoes and gravy if they're made the right way. Like if, if you, What's the right way? Well, I like when there's bacon and cheese in it because bacon just makes everything better. <laughs> you got our producer – Cracking up over here. Bacon makes everything better. Bacon and mashed potatoes? Yeah. But, but do, You put the bacon in the stuffing. Now you're talking. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that you call it stuffing and not dressing. I get mad. I, dressing is on salads, not... Right. Yeah. People say dressing. Where's the Italian dressing? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> a little French dressing over there. What? I'll go mashed potatoes and gravy. Stuffing. Yeah. Corn. Carrots. Cream corn. No, 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 no. Uh, no cream corn. Okay. And maybe green beans if it's got the right green bean casserole with onions on it. I love green bean casserole with onion rings on it. Very, very good. Also, ham or turkey for you on Thanksgiving? Absolutely turkey. White meat and leftovers. I like ham. Got to have leftovers. No ham. Too bad. Turkey can be too dry sometimes. Ham's always... Always, ne- it's never going to disappoint. All right, the schedule for Notre Dame because it's this is kind of a weird week. They will they they have no class on Wednesday. They'll move everything up a little earlier on Wednesday, but try to stick to their same practice schedule around four o'clock. They will have Thanksgiving dinner early Thursday afternoon at the Morris Inn. Fly out, charter flight South Bend out of uh, out of South Bend to San Francisco Thursday. Late Thursday afternoon, early Thursday evening, so they'll be on the West Coast. Thursday, Friday, kickoff again, Saturday, 1 o'clock. Thank God no night game. Let's get to predictions because we're running short on time and there's noise in the background, and my producer is giving me the, the evil eye. He's giving me the holiday <laughs> yeah. evil eye. So we what apologize. Do you have? 40, to, 40 to 6. We apologize to hear some background noise. I'm going 27 9. 27 to 9. I thought you said Notre Dame was going to roll. 27 points is called rolling? Eh, it, that, that's covering the spread, right? It's a 14 and a half, I believe. Um, so I, I just I, I find it hard to believe that Stanford will be able to find a t- will be able to score a touchdown. Um, 
I, I could see Notre Dame scoring more, but I just think the fact that it's Palo Alto, road game after Thanksgiving, maybe maybe they have another slow start in them. Maybe maybe Stanford treats this as their Super Bowl since they don't have a bowl game to which play for. Which they will, which is why it's important to, to really get on them and get it, get the lead early because I think once you do, then, then Stanford will be like, you know what? Why are we going to be out here in this? What are, what are we doing here in the second half? Right. It's it it might rain. There's rain in the forecast. It's not going to be all that warm out there, so the wet the weather conditions may not be ideal. And they may just be like, yeah, you know what? It's been a long year. Let's just pack this baby in. We'll see. What are you predicting? I don't know yet. It's too early in the week to have predictions. You have to give one. I gave I one. Yeah. Let's go. They're going to get a, one touchdown. Let's go thirty-four to ten, Notre Dame. They get to ten and two. What was your prediction at the at the beginning of the year, record-wise? It was nine and three. Nine and three. I had eleven and one. So they'll split the difference. They'll wind up going ten and two. In all likelihood, go to the Camping World Bowl yep. in Orlando because they're still. I think they're what fifteenth in the AP poll. Correct. They are not jumping unless there's mass chaos this week. They are not. Ju- they are not jumping five spots. Yeah. They have to get into the top ten, I think, to be eligible for the Cotton Bowl. And Eric Hansen, our colleague, is way more well versed in the, all the bowl scenarios and everything. But even if they beat, even if they beat Stanford like sixty-three to two, they're not jumping five spots to get in the top ten of the final poll because Stanford is really not that good. So there's no. I don't think there's really any way for them to go anywhere else but the Camping World Bowl. So ten and two. Camping World Bowl. Thank you very much. Have a nice season. One player to watch that I will add. Jafar Armstrong? No. I got I got Brian get, get. Kelly mentioned this guy in his press conference, said that he could start in some of his special defensive packages. Freshman defensive end yes. Isaiah Foskey out of the 2019 recruiting class. He's from the Sacramento area, considered Stanford during the recruiting process. He has flashed so much in practice preseason. But he hasn't been able to find the field just because the defensive line has so much depth. Well, now now it's shaked out where they've preserved his red shirt and he'll be able to play this He's game. Getting, well, he gets one more game, I think. So it's they, they were able to move yep. the pieces around the puzzle and say, we need Isaiah Foskey for the season finale against Stanford. Let's see if we can make that happen. They've made it happen. And he'll, he'll like you said, he's going to play a big part. He sure will. He'll be an exciting player to watch. Could be a star here in the future at Notre Dame. Well, we have to thank our listeners for listening to the Pot of Gold Extra Point during the season. We had no idea what this nope. was going to entail when we started this way back in early, late August? Late August. Heading into Louisville. We've managed to run through 13 of these. I think this is number 14. Somewhere around there. Something like that. But we we thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Out raking leaves, out for a run, out driving home from work, like some of the people that I've heard from listening to the Pot of Gold Extra Point. We'll be back maybe, I want to say, yeah, we'll probably be back with a bowl edition whenever that is, sometime between now and December 28th, if it is the Camping World Bowl in Orlando. So any other final comments as we wrap up the first season, the first regular season of the Pot of Gold Extra Point? Yeah, I mean, I've had a blast doing this podcast as well. We've had a few guests on that that we really enjoyed. and Some others that were okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge the last couple weeks because we've moved to this new podcast studio. But 
if if it sounds you know if you can hear More a quirky. vacuum in the background please uh cut us some slack we've we've enjoyed doing this and have had some good feedback so we really appreciate uh people listening in stay tuned the pot of gold extra point is brought to you by zaxby's satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And brought to you by Tire Rack, the way tire buying should be.